Lord, we do desire you. We ask you to purify our desires. We ask you to give us accurate desires. Lord, we ask you to speak to us now from your word. Speak just what we need to hear for our hearts, our emotions, our lives. We come to you now. We, we gather at your table. We gather around your word. We want to hear from you as we come together. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. I'm Pastor Steve. Welcome. And uh, some of you, um, I have a question for you. So some of you are relieved that we finished our, our previous series. Um, some of you are disappointed, but uh, I have a different question for you. So, simple question, maybe. What do you want? You know, you're getting your Christmas list together, right? So uh, what do you want? And Black Friday is coming sooner than that. So what do you, what do you want? You can... You can uh, Take out a piece of paper and write down what you want. What? Seriously, take out a piece of paper, write down what you want. Or write on the corner of your bulletin. Maybe I'll make it more, spe more specific. What are your goals in life? Okay, or what are you after? I think what are your goals may be too, too specific. But what are you after? And then maybe a, a more specific question. What motivates you to seek that that you're after? What motivates you to seek those things? You got, you got a, a list? You got a Christmas list? That's my, that's my main question for you today. What do you want? Why do you want it? Um, so we are in the midst of a series um, on just sex, just money, just power. Those are some things that are probably on your list if you weren't writing it in church. Um, some of you might have said, you know, you, you might have done your church list instead of your, uh, your real list. But uh, those are some of the things, you know, some of you want to get married. Some of you uh, want to have some retirement funds. Some of you are hoping for a better job. Some of you wish you were, could get a promotion. <clears throat> um, that's okay. We're talking about justice. But the question, what do you want? What are you after? What motivates you to seek that, I think, is a key question. Partially because the things that we're after usually costs something. If it's something valuable, it's probably going to be cost something, right? So you need to be motivated to pay the cost for whatever it is that you really want. So the question of motivation is important. So um, I don't know if you've heard of cat and dog theology. It's kind of like Calvinism, Arminianism, not really. But um, so... 
I, you might have heard the joke about the, uh, so the, the dog says, uh, you, you feed me, you take care of me, you, you shelter me, you must be God. And the cat says, you feed me, you shelter me, I must be God. Um, the dog lovers go, yeah, and the cat lovers, but um, there are people who have that kind of perspective about God, and uh, there are songs that are written about God that sound like cat theology, and a lot of us, okay, I'm going to be honest, most of us start out as stray cats. We have no master, we just wander around, we do what we want. If you feed us, fine. If there's something at church that's worth coming to, I'll, sh I'll show up. If there's a, a, a free food, I might be here. But we're basically stray cats. I'll show up at your door, right? And then we become cats with a, with a, who have a, a master. Well, maybe a master, but, you know, we have a relationship with somebody who feeds us. And most of us honestly be, get, we come to God because he's going to give us something whether that's uh, peace of mind or healing or provide for our financial needs or salvation and eternal life or whatever it is, um, we come because he's going to take care of us. And then eventually maybe we move toward a dog kind of relationship where it's about my master and what, what does my master want and what, how could I do what he wants? And then eventually we might even become sled dogs where we're not not hurting cats, as Pastor Andrew was just saying, but a relationship about us pulling together for the master or hunting dogs or whatever the better picture is for you, that we're actually pulling together to bring the master where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. Bringing Jesus maybe where he hasn't been heard of before, for example. Um, working together. So I want to talk about what if our goal is the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, we have to answer the question, what is the kingdom of God? Now, let's do the historical piece first. We, we talked about Abraham was promised, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I bless you, we make you a blessing, right? And then it was passed on to the Israelites, and it said, you're going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so that all people on earth can be blessed through this nation. And then that seemed to be fulfilled, especially they got the land, and then David and Solomon was kind of the pinnacle of this kingdom where Yahweh was king and they were following these just laws that God had given at Mount Sinai and there was kingdom and justice together and things were good and then idolatry and oppression of the poor and other unrighteous unjust things happened and it fell apart they got exiled and uh, they came back but it was never the same and when Jesus comes he says my message is the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the good news that's how Mark starts right out he starts right there. Well, you have to have read the Old Testament to know what he's saying. They're excited because they're under Roman rule. They're, they, oh, wow. He's claiming that the kingdom of God that David had is back. That just, righteous, people are going to follow God's laws and, and God's going to be king and, and we're going to have our own kingdom like the Maccabees, not more recently. That people are, are thinking about this kingdom of God. If, I wanna, if you want to put it in a little more um, just personal context. Um, the question is, is he king or are we king? Or me king? Everybody wants to be in the kingdom of self, honestly, since you're about two. 
you start wanting to be in the kingdom of self. Me, mine, no. First words, well, mama starts, but then that's when you get to two, you add me, mine, no. And um, am I going to be king and get the world to center around me? Now, when we do that, we end up in the kingdom not only of self, but also of society. And also Satan, because that's where he's, he's at. So the world, the flesh, and the devil in more classic terms. We end up in those kingdoms if we are trying to live for ourselves and satisfy our needs, right? So either that kingdom of self-society or Satan or a society where he's in charge, God's in charge, and so all relationships are just, like was talked about in the five books of Moses we just were at, right? That's the choice. We're in God's kingdom or in the, we're in the kingdom of self, society, and Satan. There isn't really an in-between choice although we sometimes try to do both um, and uh, end up like the hyena. Wants the goat, wants the chicken, wants the goat, wants chicken, and splits in half. You split in half because you want them both. So which do you want? So Jesus says we shouldn't serve God and money. You've got to choose. He says, you shouldn't worry about things because God's going to take care of you. And therefore, you could pursue justice because you know God's going to take care of you. You're trusting Him. And so he ends that passage by saying, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously or justly. And He will give you everything you need. Or that and, that chi in Greek could be translated, seek the kingdom of God, even His justice. Because there's no... Two things, it's really the same thing. Of loving God, loving people, living in justice with people, seeking God's kingdom. The question is, why would I do that? What's my motivation for doing that? Am I going to get money, sex, and power, for example? Am I going to get to be second in command like Peter and John and James are hoping for? Am I going to get blessings? Like you can go to a lot of preachers and hear, well, you give, give me 10 bucks, I'll give you, you'll get a hundredfold back. Give me 10, I'll, you'll get a thousand. Well, how great is that? What's your motivation for seeking God's kingdom and justice? The motivation question is the key question, I think, because it actually costs something. If it didn't cost anything, you wouldn't need much motivation. Um, most of us, let's be honest, just want life and happiness, right? Is it wrong to seek happiness? Is it wrong to seek happiness? But most of us set it up so that, well, I just want to be happy, but I should seek the kingdom of God, I guess. I should seek justice for everybody I guess. But I really just want my kingdom, <laughs> my stuff. Right? Is it wrong to seek happiness? Um, and, you know, the cost, it's not that big a deal when, when it doesn't cost anything. Like, oh yeah, I'll just sign up for church and, and uh, you know, I'll come, I'll show up once in a while and, and I'll... Uh, give what's in my wallet at the time, or maybe I'll even give a tithe. But, but if it's, if it's uh, not too costly, it's not that big a deal. But Jesus 
he didn't do evangelism quite like we do, you know? Just as I am without one plea, you know, just come and here's four spiritual laws, pray this prayer, you're, you're good. He kind of was like, it's going to cost you. Count the costs before you start building. Here's, what, here's the requirements. He, he tended to put a lot of requirements. He made it costly. So I have preached from this, from something similar to what I'm about to preach here before. I think the last time I preached it was 22 years ago um, in 97. So in 97, this was a very critical question for me because you all sent me off almost 25 years ago now to Tanzania. And I've told you before, we got, you know, we were sick 40 times the first year. I started having panic attacks. We were, uh, we had, we had a stillbirth, buried Esther in, in uh, Africa, and the cost was starting to mount up. Besides leaving family, besides leaving everything we knew, and, and, and so the co- do I, is it worth my kids' health and my health and losing children and my sanity and being away from everybody and all my support systems and, and a whole lot of money that we were from 50,000 to 15,000, um, 18,000 a year with the benefits, I guess. But um, was it worth all that? And I started thinking, I think I'm probably crazy. So after we'd buried Esther, after we came home, I was kind of low and depressed and asking myself, am I doing the right thing? And you know, God, I was having a lot of conversations with God. You know, it says you have to believe that you exist and you're the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Is this my reward? Honestly? I thought I was following you. Is this my reward? And so I had, I was grappling with, should I quit? What I think, and the problem was God wasn't changing, he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't saying, oh yeah, you're right, that's too much. He wasn't saying anything. So I kind of had to go with what he said before, which was, go to Tanzania, do this, and um, fortunately, you all were praying for us. <laughs> that helped a lot. You were invested in more than just uh, financially. You were invested in prayer for us. Um, but it was difficult. And I, um, I got a hold of a, a book by John Piper, Desiring God. It talks about Christian hedonism, which um, actually Sarah and, and uh, Andrew talked about, especially Andrew talked about recently. You see, when it comes to questions about sex, about money, about power, the real question is, what would motivate you to go the just way, the kingdom way, instead of your own way and the way the world goes, why everybody else does? What would motivate you to... So when I got a hold of that, there, there's a scripture that really started to um, get into my heart. So when we came back from the first two and a half years in Tanzania, I preached about Job. Jan cried through the whole thing. I asked her if we were going back. She said, I think God wants us to, but I want to talk about it. Um, maybe she was pregnant. Maybe she was a little emotional, but I don't think that was it. Um, it would have been really hard. And so, so I preached to you guys about this from this text. So this is the text. Jesus said this. <clears throat> he said, the kingdom of God is like this.
Um, <clears throat> does anybody know who owns the field just over there? Justin. Ah. My friend Justin. How are you? How about his amuda? How about his akazi? How about his familia? Salama. Set his field there and uh would you be interested in selling it? Yes, we saw it, but the field is mine. Yeah, I, I heard that, yeah. Um I was thinking I might be interested in buying it. Yeah, okay, a price. Yeah, sure. What what's the price? I didn't plan to sell it because we loved it. Maybe one million. A million? Yes. <clears throat> um, just that little field over there? A million. For you is little, for me it's big. Uh, yeah, that a million is big for me. Um so you come out could we come down like five hundred thousand? Nine, 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 fifty. Nine, nine, fifty. Yes. Oh, that's a big reduction. Um, fifty dollars only. Okay, nine, nine, fifty. Okay. Um, but you're you're good with that. Nine, nine, fifty. Yes. Shake on it. Okay. Yes. So I just have to find nine, nine, fifty. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. Um, Who needs a car? Um, Prius, 220,000 miles on it. Okay, yeah. Um, I need some money for it, though. Uh, oh, no, come on now. I bought it for 5,000. All right. I have 5,000, okay? All right, good. Um, uh, Toyota Sienna, 271,000. Who's got? Come on. You've got a big family. You need a van. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And. Um, Let's see, um, house. Um, I was going to tell you our neighbors are selling a house. We want to be our neighbors, but I've got to sell my house now. So it was 275 just a year ago. So even for that, I would take, uh, as long as we don't have to do a deal, real trail, sell it to you for what I've got it for. 275. Going, going. Come on. Somebody needs a You guys have just moved in here. Surely you need a house. <laughs> Come on, let's make a deal. Sure, okay. All right, all right, good. Okay. I mean, I only, I only own about 70,000 of it, but um, okay, so, uh, let's see. My credit cards, I could max out all my retirement savings and then maybe get a loan from the bank with that down payment. I think we could, I think we could do it. Um, well, not quite. A watch. Um, who, need, who, need, you, who needs a watch? You could use a watch, I'm sure. Um, let's see. Uh, Sarah, I bet you could use one of these. Um, yeah, just pass that down to her. Um, <clears throat> cell phone? You do not have, you need a cell phone. <laughs> um, um, we're getting there. 13B. Yeah, yeah, okay. Great. They're resold and everything. Uh, but I need some cash. Okay, great. Um, all right. <laughs> Justin? There it is. Yes. From the bank. Yes. It's all there. Deal? Deal. All right. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
You guys think I'm crazy, don't you? <laughs> Almost a million for that field. You all can think I'm crazy. But I got the field. I got everything in the field. So it's mine. All mine. So, so Jesus told a story, something like that. He said there was a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God, is like treasure, treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So I want you to notice little drink here. He sold everything. That's how much it cost him, right? Everything he had. What was his attitude? Joy. So other people might have thought he was nuts to pay that price to sell everything, to have nothing at all and be happy. But you see, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. So this guy, and if we discover it, we're going to have to see what's invisible. And we're going to have to see how valuable it is. And other people around us are going to say, you're nuts. What are you thinking? I mean, I knew you were religious, but this is overboard. This is crazy. What are you doing with your time and your money and your Kids, and you're, what, are you, what are you thinking? The action he did was he sold all. Everything. The attitude? Joy. Exuberant joy. The result? He received the treasure. Nobody else received the treasure, but he did because he sold everything to buy that field. So what is the value of something to someone? The price plus the attitude, right? Somebody just got a new car. They're like, oh, check out my new truck. Hey, look, look, look at this bells and whistles, and it has all this, and really cool, and it's gas saving, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, and you say, well, how much do you pay for it? Really? Wow. This is really valuable to this person. You know, you come to see my house, I'll tell you, it's really it's all taken care of. It's right by the park. It's, I, I like my house. I'm joyful that we have this house. And I'm willing to pay $275,000 like I never thought I'd pay for a house. But it's valuable to me. And my kids, I put a whole lot of, a lot more net into their education and their feeding and their everything else. Because they're really valuable to me. And I did it with joy, most of the time. <laughs> but basically, I really did invest in my kids with joy because they're valuable to me. So the value of something is the price plus the attitude. So if people want to know how valuable church is to you, they can see how much time you spend, how much money you spend, how much of your investment you make, and what kind of attitude you have. Hey, you should come check this out. It's really cool. 
Oh, yeah, I know they want this. They're always talking about money again. Right? What is it worth to you? Whatever it is. So, the motivation, I think, that Jesus puts out here is joy and happiness. It's not you should. It's not guilt. It's not... Jesus says the kingdom of God is a fantastic investment. It's treasure that other people might not see. Our desire for joy, as Pastor Andrew said, is not too big, it's too small. Our purpose is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. We're supposed to enjoy God. And Piper makes this this slight change to by enjoying Him forever. We glorify God when we enjoy God. We glorify our car when we enjoy our car. We, we glorify that which we value and which we enjoy. So a lot of us, you know, we're after money, sex, and power, and we're like a kid, you know, digging in the dirt for, oh, I saw this really, uh, uh, was it a stone or a penny? Or, and, and, you know, the father is saying, did you get up out of the dirt? I got 100 bucks here for you. Let's go mini golf. Let's, let's go. And he's like, no, no, I saw a penny. Don't, don't bother me. God is trying to give us the most valuable thing he has. And we're digging for old pennies. we got to get our values straight. See, God doesn't say investing in things other than the kingdom when you could be investing in the kingdom is wrong or you should. He says it's stupid. It's a bad investment. Saying, i got a better investment for you. Why would you invest in that. He says those other things aren't going to last. He says those other things aren't going to multiply. Those other things aren't secure. He says moth and rust and all those things come in and wreck. Thieves break in and steal your stuff. But not the kingdom of God. Whatever you invest in the kingdom of God is secure. Whatever happens with the recession. The recession is probably coming but your investment in the kingdom of God is not going to lose value. Um, so let's look at a different example. Open your Bibles, please. There's one in front of you if you didn't bring one. Let's look at the other example. Mark, chapter 10, 17 to 31. As Jesus started on his way, this is in NIV just like you have there, so if it, in front of you, Mark 10, 17, what, what page is it on? Somebody who found it. 716, all right. Mark 10, 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he's looking for an inheritance, all right? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He skipped the do not covet. But um, teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. I've been keeping the commandments. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him. He said, okay, I love you. I'm going to tell you the investment secret. The thing, one thing you lack. 
You've done all this, but you're, you're lacking just one thing. So let me help you with the one thing that you're missing. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And he said, well, I'm willing to do that. If, if I'm willing, can I come with you? You know, some people are willing to save for retirement. They just don't put anything in their account. But when you get to retirement, it doesn't matter how willing you were, right? If you get to heaven and you haven't actually deposited anything in your account, there's not going to be anything there. Even if you were willing to deposit something. So he said, go sell everything you have. This is the exact same offer this other story told about, right? Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What? If I had great wealth, I wouldn't be sad. I'd be happy. But he went away sad because he had great wealth. So he was offered the treasure. He heard the cost. And he was like, oh, I really wanted that treasure, but it's not worth a million to me. I have too much. Everything is... All is too much. The truth is that it seems like in the Bible and it seems like in the world, people who have more have a harder time giving it up, even though they have more. So he went away sad. So he didn't get the joy, and he didn't get the kingdom, and he didn't get the treasure. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And let's be honest, folks. Most of us, probably all of us, on a world scale, compared to my friends in Tanzania anyway, and your friends in DR Congo, are rich. Now, you, I know you say you don't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as rich as those people. I don't have that much. But most of you didn't have to walk here. Um, our church in Tanzania, everybody walked. We did have a car, but we also walked. We were about the only ones with a car. So um, even if you took the bus. Yeah, but anyway, that's not the issue. The issue is it's hard for us. Why is it that people in Europe and America are leaving the kingdom of God when God's blessed them with so much? Same reason when the, when the Israelites got a lot, it said, be careful, you're going to forget me. So, um, the disciples were even more amazed. And so Jesus said, it's hard, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now that's literal. It's an exaggeration. Getting a camel through the eye of a needle is difficult. Getting a thread through the eye of a needle is difficult, in my opinion. But getting a camel through is more difficult. He's making his point. 
It's a little exaggeration. The disciples were even more amazed. Who then can be saved? Because we thought the rich were the ones that God was favoring. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. So God can change our hearts and help us to see the invisible value and give everything with joy. He can make it. It's possible. Peter said to him, we've left everything to follow you. And they had, right? I mean, the disciples had left their businesses, left their families, where they were following Jesus, wherever he went. We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. And many who are first will be last, and the last first. So many who we think of as ahead are going to be behind. And this is a, a theme that Jesus does a lot, the great reversal. That things are going to be different than you expect them to be. So those who leave all get a hundred times. Now, this scripture has been pulled out there, and that's where the give ten bucks in the offering and you'll get a thousand comes from. But it's the point is you are going to get a multiplication a hundred times as much in this life. Now, I don't really want a hundred children, or that would be 400 children, right? Um, I don't want a hundred children. And, and, and uh, I love my mother, but a hundred mothers would also be stretching. Um, and I don't know what I'd do with a hundred houses either. So Jesus is making the point that in this present life, we are given rewards, and even better in the future. Much better in the eternal life. And it comes with persecutions. So I remember talking with, a walk with John Wansley, and he was saying, ah, yeah, pamojin avik, together with persecution. We have to put those together. God multiplies to us, and there's also persecution that comes with being different than everybody else. There's a cost a suffering that comes with it. So that's good news, isn't it? Jesus is offering us a hundred times more in this life, plus eternal life. Yes, there'll be persecutions, but there is a reward. Even now, and much, much, much more, the treasure we have in the future life, in heaven. If we believe such a thing is really the case. If we believe there really is a resurrection. If we believe that retirement isn't the end goal. If we believe that there's a... So any financial planner will tell you, the longer term your goals, the better off you are. Right? So don't think about what you're going to get today. Don't think about the candy you're going to buy now. Think about you know, how you're going to save for a house. And even better, how you're going to retire. And how, right? So people are always pushing how you need to be planning for the future. Right? And I'm not, that's not true. But, I mean, that is true. But we really need to plan for the future future. Because this, we're living now, is the dot. And then there's eternal life, which is the line. Right? Which goes on and on and on. 
So if you're hoarding up Confederate dollars before the end of the Civil War, think about it. If there's any chance to convert those to U.S. dollars, that would be a good idea. If all U.S. dollars are going to be out of circulation, everything's going to have to be British pounds, but you don't know when that's going to happen, you'd be wise to keep just enough dollars in your account to cover your current expenses and make sure everything else is converted to pounds. Am I right? Do we realize that everything we invest in heaven is not only, it's forever. And our account matters there. Now, I check my accounts. I like to know what's in, in my uh, bank and retirement, and I, I do it more than I need to, probably. Maybe you do too. We need to know where our accounts are, but do you know where your treasure account in heaven is? Do you know what your balance is? Now, God keeps his own calculations on that. But I want to have good investments. So, Jesus says this. Let's look at Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Here Jesus, Peter says, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus says he's going to have to suffer many things. Peter took him aside and said, no, 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 Lord, that's not going to happen. Success, blessing, it's all going to be good. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand at all. And then Peter goes on to explain in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what is taking up your cross? That means you put a gold cross around your neck. That means... I'm ready to die with you as a criminal. Peter knew exactly what it meant. And he chickened out, right? He was not up to following Jesus to the cross at that point. He later did. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul, loses his life? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul, his life? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. So there is a reward coming based upon what you've done. Yes, we're saved by grace. And even the reward, of course, is all grace. God doesn't owe us anything. He owns everything. The reward is all grace. But he promises us something. If you invest, you're going to get a return. If you do this, you're going to get a reward. But you have to be a long-term thinker. You have to do things that other people don't get. What are you wasting your time on that for? Piper has another book he said called Don't Waste Your Life. But his point is don't waste your life doing all this stuff around here, just what everybody else does. Invest it forever. Um, so, um, so at some point in Tanzania, I was sitting on my porch and, uh, God had blessed us with a, with a house there with, with, soon after I preached that sermon, we had twins, 
seven pounds, six ounces, seven pounds, 11 ounces, healthy, healthy, uh, felt like God had noticed how much I grieved the loss of our baby. And those kids have, you, you all know them, they're pretty cool. They've been a great blessing to us. God has blessed us in so many ways. And the investment we made has flourished. And we didn't do it ourselves. Um, Vanessa Misano, my friend, I, I almost put a picture up. There were two or 3,000 people at his funeral. He's a very humble man, but he had a lot of friends because he invested. So um, this, our pictures Vanessa sent me, of 110 graduates in the three different schools now. There were 15 graduates when he went. Now 110, and, and most of those are pastors. So their churches have been transformed while they've been doing this diploma. And it's because a lot of us invested, including a lot of you. And those guys invested, and we got to be part of that. So it's a reward. We have, when I go to Tanzania, there's a lot of homes I can go to. I don't, I don't know if I have 100 or not yet, but... Uh, there's a lot of homes there. Well, if I counted up all the homes I've been to as we were traveling around and itinerating and sharing with people what was happening as well as in Tanzania, I'm sure it's 100. Uh, well over 100. People who've hosted us. Brothers and sisters all over the world who we have because we were able to invest. So now I look back on 22 years ago. So I was sitting on my porch. I forgot to finish. <laughs> sitting on my porch, looking around, thinking about how the Bible school was going, and God said, this is your reward. And there's more coming. So people, I don't want you to miss out. And it doesn't have to be that, okay? That's, this, you know, that's just my story. You guys all have your own story, your own way that you're taking care of your family, the own way you're investing, the own way, your own way that you're, you're contributing to people through the work that you do the way that you're contributing to your family, the way that you're doing stuff, it matters. The way you're helping kids at Central High School matters. The things that we do for the kingdom count. And God is counting, and he will reward those who invest. And he says it's secure. Never mind what happens with the recession. People are going to survive into the next life. And if you've invested in them, if they've had, if they were hungry and you fed them. So Vanessa Misana had lots of orphans and widows who were at his funeral because he had fed them. And there, it will make a difference in this life and it will make a difference for sure in the next life. So enjoy <laughs> Enjoy life. Enjoy the opportunities that God gives you. God is not saying you should. He's saying, there's just one thing you lack, and I'd love to give you this fantastic investment opportunity. And you see, we have to get that perspective. We have to be motivated by joy, I think, if we're really going to invest. If it's a should, if it's a guilt, if it's a I ought to, if it's um, people will think I'm a good person, if it's um, something else, it won't last. Your motivation won't last when it gets costly. When it gets costly, you'll give up and you'll say, you know, there's a lot easier things. 
to invest in. There's a lot shorter-term returns that I could invest in. So Jesus himself sought joy. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that we don't need, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Run the marathon and keep going. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. So there are people in the world who are resisting, who are seeking God at, at the cost of shedding their blood. But most of us haven't yet. Most of us. Pastor Mike got beat up and tortured for four days for what he was doing in Congo and with Campus Crusade. Some of us have... Others of us have had other uncomfortable things. Persecution, resistance. And you should expect that. We are like the salmon swimming upstream. The world is rushing the other direction. We have to keep going. And there's bears trying to eat you. The devil's there trying to snatch you out of the water. And the, the world is flowing this way. And you have got to go upstream if you're going to have, if you're going to reproduce and have anything that's going to continue. So what do you want? I'm back to my question. What do you really want? What is your goal in life? Your goal could be God's glory and kingdom and justice. Making Jesus famous everywhere in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in Tanzania, uh, wherever, you could make that your goal. You could make a just relationship your goal. You could make a thriving church your goal. You could make a family that, that loves Jesus and is totally committed to him your goal. And by the way, your kids are watching your example. There's three ways you can teach your kids. Example, example, and example. And your words can confirm or deny that, but your example is what they're going to do. Right? They're going to see what it costs you and what kind of attitude you have for, toward it. I've said it before, but I'm so thankful that we didn't say, God, this is just too much. Because our kids would have picked up you should always follow God except if it gets to this certain level. If you're sick or you have death or there's, there's other problems, or there, or it's, then it's understandable. Because our kids are pretty much pressing that and learning and, and pressing forward. And that's such a joy to me to see them doing that. But if I was watching them, this, it always happens, right? We watch our kids do the things that we did that we wish we didn't do because they're following our example. They're doing some of that too. But I'm, 
but I'm so glad for the things that are a good example, including seeking God. So you could make this your goal. And the rest of it could fit around that. And what you do in your, jur- in your job as a lawyer, as a bus driver, as a, as a mom, as a dad, could all fit into that. What you do in your neighborhood, in your church, in your, with uh, people with, in, in your giving, in your investing, where you put your money and how you invest it, could all be for that. You could make that your goal. But it would be costly. How much would it cost? What's the price? Well, Jesus told us the price. Here's the good news. Jesus already purchased the treasure. The treasure is there. It's purchased. It's free. So all it's going to cost you is everything, plus your life. Jesus purchased a treasure you could never pay for. Way beyond a million dollars. So if it only costs you a million, rejoice. Eternal life is worth a whole lot more than a million dollars. And living it with reward is worth a whole lot more than that. So it's only going to cost you everything plus your life, and you get the treasure, the kingdom of God, which he purchased with his blood with everything he had. We're going to sing later as we have communion. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. All you have to pay is the little bit you have. So, motivation. Do you want love, life, joy? You want that? You're not going to find it in money, sex, and power despite what they promise. Now, God can give those as part of his reward and part of his uh, blessing. They are blessings from him that he created. But love, life, and joy, the source is Jesus. So, let's be honest. What do you trust to bring you joy? Do you trust your work? Do you trust your play? Do you trust your significant other? Your kids or your parents or your husband or wife? Honestly, what do you trust? Your play, your hobby? What brings you joy? What do you trust to bring you joy? Now, turn on the TV. Look at any advertiser. Ask anybody. They're going to be telling you all kinds of things that you should be. This is going to make you so happy if you just... Drink this beer if you just buy this product, if you just whatever, right? Just invest. Just get the good career. Just do the whatever. What do you trust to bring you joy? Jesus wants to give you love, life, joy, and reward. He really wants to. When he's looking at you, he's saying, I love you. If this is one thing you lack, I would love to help you get that. So, we have to repent for seeking joy in little things. All of us do. I have to repent for seeking joy in little things. And, and every new circumstance <laughs> challenges us anew. Um, you know, we, as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking, 
you know, I have a lot more in my account than I did 22 years ago. If I was going to give it all, it's more than it was. I don't think I set the price at a million dollars because there was no way I could even scratch that before, even with a loan. Um, somehow when it's more, it should be easier to give, right? Because you still have a lot left. But actually when it's more, sometimes it's harder to give. In fact, the truth is when it comes to giving, people who make less give a higher percentage than people who make more. People gave more in the Depression than they do now, um, percentage-wise. So um, we need to repent for seeking joy in little things. I can seek joy in... No, that God gives us all things to enjoy. It doesn't mean you can't watch the Vikings game this afternoon. It doesn't mean you can't love your wife. It doesn't mean you can't have an ice cream. Please have an ice cream. Everything's better with ice cream, in my opinion. That's a famous saying in our house. It'd be better with ice cream. Proven by scientists, yes. The scientists always know. Um, you know what they say. Who's that? Well, the scientists. Um, but it's okay to enjoy things. But sometimes we can focus our joy there, right? And we can forget the big things, like who's giving it to you, right? Everything you can enjoy with Thanksgiving, Paul says, Anything, anything somebody puts on my plate, if I can, I'll eat it with thanksgiving. But if you're eating it without thanksgiving, then you're starting to get distracted. If we're enjoying things and forgetting that God gave them to us, we start to get distracted. So, I think we need to ask for hunger, for real joy. Because most of us just aren't hungry enough. Most of us are pretty full pretty satiated with the things that, that the world has given us, that God's given us, but we're, we're satisfied. But God wants to give us more. He does. He wants to give you more. He's got a fantastic investment opportunity for you. It's only going to cost you everything in your life. Not only your money, it's going to cost you your kids and your relationships and you're, you're going to have to let it all go. You're going to have to open your hands for everything. But ask God for hunger. Can I have the worship team come up? Um, so fine, I just want to say, seek Jesus. Enjoy him. Enjoy him, including the things that he gives you. He's given all things for our enjoyment. Paul says in 1 Timothy but then, it's in, it's in your bulletins. He's giving you all things for your enjoyment, but, he's, but then he goes on to say some more about how we shouldn't focus on that. It should be our pride, etc. So, I want us to sing this song again. I want, I want people to come up for communion as well as we're singing this song. The, the servers, please. Um, Let's just sing the chorus. Lord, you... Could you stand up? They'll catch up with us. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, 
Let's, let's pray a minute. Lord, we would ask you to give us hunger. We would ask you to open our eyes to the investment opportunities that you've given us. We want to invest in your kingdom, and there are ways right in front of us that we can. But Lord, we'd have to see the value that's hidden there. We'd have to go against what everybody else says is valuable. The way we were raised to believe that something is valuable. God, I pray that you'd help us to get a glimpse of the investment opportunity that's there, to plant seeds. And yes, we could eat that seed, but we throw it in the ground and let it rot because we expect a harvest. Not right now, but a bountiful harvest ahead. In this life and much, much, much more in the life to come. God, help us to actually believe what we say we believe. Help us to act and walk and use our money and deal with relationships and sex and power like we enjoy you. May people look at us and say, what is with you? Why do you do that? So that we can say, because I love it because I enjoy it, because I enjoy God, because I enjoy his kingdom, because I get to invest. May we, may we invest and may we glorify you in our attitude, in our investment. Lord, we, uh, we are so grateful to you that you paid it all so that we could have the treasure that we could not afford. Thank you for paying it all, that you have become our treasure. Amen.